my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Happy Full House Friday, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta. Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, today I am continuing in the Back to School double feature part two with Stephanie Gets Framed. <laughs> this episode aired. January 25th, 1991. Also, this is from Season 4, Episode 16. In this episode, we get (laughs) straight from Chicago, Family Matters. We get Steve Urkel, guest starring. Well, Julia White, guest starring as his famous character from Family Matters, Steve Urkel. He comes to town. Because his cousin Julie is friends with DJ. (laughs) And he helps Stephanie deal with her new glasses. But when she takes all of Joey's funny glasses and disrupts the class with them, she realizes she took it too far. Jesse is also having trouble deciding a best man for his wedding. Because apparently tradition is you can only have one. Which, yeah. (laughs) It's not like he's calling up Pete Bianco, his buddy from high school, like, hey, you want to come and be my best man? No. Because isn't that also, like, you have a best man, but you have, like, you know how ladies have bridesmaids, men have groomsmen, like, all their buddies that they didn't pick to be best man? So, this episode is uh, rated 7.4 out of 10, based on 276 ratings. We have some guest stars. Of course, I already mentioned Julia White, Steve Urkel. We got Tasha Scott as Julie. We have Cynthia Steele as Mrs. Claire, the teacher. And Micah Rowe as classmates. Oh, this look at this. is behind Stephanie. He's like, oh, you got glasses? Can we see them? Let's see your new glasses, Stephanie. I'd be like, it's not your business. Why are you so invested in my new glasses? Because nothing's going on in that kid's life. This is the highlight of his day. <laughs> Apparently. All right, so this was directed by Joel Zwick. We got Jeff Franklin, the creator. He wrote this episode alongside Doug McIntyre. Not related to Reba, I don't think. But you know what? No, I don't think it... No, it's not. She's not. Or this man is not related to Reba. Let's see in the trivia. Uh, but, 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 but. Yeah, it says nothing about this man being related because their McIntyre is spelled differently. Reba's is spelled with an E and this guy's is a, spelled with an I. Oh, we got trivia. Yes, love trivia. All right. This episode marks a crossover with Family Matters 1989. So Family Matters would have started up two years after Full House, which shares a lot of the same crew. And 
by extension, Perfect Strangers, which came out the year before Full House in 1986. I, my mom, that was one of my, uh, my mom's favorite shows. At least that I can remember. Julia White also reprised his role as, as Steve Urkel on Step by Step, which also featured Stacey Keenan. Keenan, in turn, reprised her SBS role as Dana on Boy Meets World, implying that all of these shows take place in the same universe. Yes, there is an episode, or a handful of episodes, where Salem the Cat from Sabrina makes his way... Well, I don't think he... No... Not in the Full House. This would have been after Full House was over, but uh, Boy Meets World, I guess Salem the Cat was there. There might have been some other shows that he might have visited. I, I, And guys, I'm honest here with this. Full House was my main TGIF show. I dipped in and out of Boy Meets World. The same thing with Step by Step and Family Matters. I watched them on occasion. But Full House was one and by far my all-time go-to, my all-time favorite. I watched Boy Meets World when it did start up in the beginning. And then, like I said, I dipped in and out. Like when you see a preview for an upcoming episode, like, oh, that looks good. I'll check that out. Oh, that doesn't look all that great. I'll not watch it. So, yeah, I did not know... Never saw them graduate high school, never saw their college years, and never saw Corey and Topanga get married until, I believe, I watched it on a rerun much, much later. Alright, Steve Urkel does shave and a haircut knock before entering the Tanner house rather than simply barging it, because we already have a character that does it on Plus. Kimmy barges in. We don't need another character doing that. Series regular Lori Laughlin only appears in one scene. Okay. Warning spoilers. Jesse says to Danny and Joey he doesn't care about tradition. He doesn't wear a cap. He didn't wear a cap at his graduation because he didn't want it to ruin his hair. Um, yeah, that was major continuity there because, uh, in an episode in a later season, Jesse reveals he never graduated high school and later goes to night school and graduates. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why they had to use that as a plot point. Exactly. I just, I, I don't get it. We have any? We do. Oh, we do. Okay, cool, cool. When Michelle's digging in the couch for spare change, she says, "All right, a nickel," but she is clearly holding a quarter. Well, she's only four years old, so she might not know her, you know, the difference between, you know, a quarter and a nickel, a dime. They're all silver pieces. It's funny because a penny is the only copper piece of change. All right. When DJ lectures Michelle about saving her money up, Michelle holds the piggy bank upside down, but in one shot she holds it sideways with the money slot facing the camera. Alright, of course, before we officially get into this episode, I want to, I'll do the cold open in just a minute, but of course, 
Just got to let all you Tanner newbies, a.k.a. the new listeners of the podcast who are jumping aboard the Tanner train, a.k.a. the podcast, I want to let you know where you can listen to this podcast. SoundCloud and iTunes on your podcast app. That's pretty much the way to listen to it. Unfortunately, this podcast is not on Spotify. I really don't know how that would work with the clips that I play and everything. So... Yeah, just those two platforms. Also, the podcast does have social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, it has an email address. O-M-H-C-F-H-F-H-Podcast at gmail.com. For Facebook, just go type in Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. The Elma Lanta Holy Chalupas Podcast will pop up. Click on it, follow it if you'd like, share it with other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. And that way you'll know which episodes I'm doing each month because I don't go in order of episode air dates. I do themes. Right now it's September, we're doing back to school theme. For August we did the sisters double feature, for July we did the almost breakup double feature, and for June we did the Father's Day series. So I will be uploading a mini episode in regard to my schedule for fall 2022 and all of 2023 which series slash double features I will be covering for the duration of the following year and yes sadly the full house portion of this podcast is set to wrap up at the end of 2023 but i still have plenty of fuller house episodes to go through before the podcast does conclude now just because i'm not doing episodes doesn't mean that i can't come up with fun compilations based on characters and scenes and there's full house Stephanie books to cover all that fun stuff. So even after the podcast wraps up the episodes, I still have fun things in the works and we will even find some fan fiction. If you guys want to create some full house or fuller house fan fiction for me, send it my way, send it to the email address, which will be listed in the episode description on SoundCloud. Another thing about this podcast that does set it apart from other Full House or Fuller House podcasts out there is that this podcast is for ears of all ages. Everybody can listen to it. Parents can listen to it in the car with their kids around. Share in the love of Full House and Fuller House because I want the <laughs> I wanted to create a safe space where we could love the show and just I can talk about my memories. You guys can email me and share your memories of the show, what it was like growing up with it, how you feel, whether it's changed a little bit now that you're older, and your favorite characters, or even what episodes kind of helped you learn lessons growing up and everything like that. So, yeah, you don't got to worry about me dropping F-bombs, H-bombs, S-bombs. None of that stuff. No adult inappropriate content is going to be heard on this podcast. So, with all that good stuff out of the way, 
let's jump into this cold open. It's kind of a quick one and done. Michelle's in the bathroom brushing her teeth. And she yells for Danny because she is basically her head is at sink level. She can't lean over and spit her toothpaste stuff into the sink because she's too short. So she has covered Danny to come lift her up so she can spit into the sink. Here's the thing. Usually when I'm doing that after I brush my teeth, I'm going to have the water running. So that way, because otherwise you are going to have just a toothpaste glob that's going to sit there and harden in the sink. Jeremy has gotten on me about it before. It's like, don't leave toothpaste globs in the sink because it's gross. So that's why I'm like, okay. Have the water run for a minute while I do it. Make sure it all goes down. All that stuff. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Oh, she's got a cup there to... Okay, gotcha. Just doing my job. You know, that's the thing I never... Yeah, because she's got a cup of water that... You know, I never thought about doing that. That actually is a good idea. I mean, I use mouthwash after I brush my teeth, but I never... You know, and I got those little paper cups by the sink. I never thought, like, oh, huh. Maybe I should take that and help rinse the toothpaste. I mean, I thought that's what the mouthwash was also for, but, um, <laughs> uh, yep, Danny comes in, lifts her up. And the thing is that toothbrush is not sound wet. You can hear the bristles crunching against her teeth. So, this is, this is the thing that I had been told before. I don't really do this anymore but wiping the mouth on a hand towel that other people in the house are going to be using to you know dry their hands on it <laughs> they wash their hands it was like oh, someone's toothpaste filled mouth has been on this towel ew uh, and that is a cold open yeah it was pretty quick it was just boom boom so we come out of the intro, Michelle's in her room, and she's playing with a yo-yo. Of course, she doesn't really get the concept that you should be able to, when you let the yo-yo down, it should be able to roll right back up the string. I'm just worried the way she's whipping this thing around, she's going to hit herself in the face with that. Those, even though the yo-yo is small, it's like, nah, you're whipping that around, it's going to hurt if you hit yourself. I probably did that once in my life. I remember one time my aunt had come from California and me and a handful of cousins, I think we were, I thought we were like at the airport waiting and she had given us all like, they're, I think they're either red, white, and blue yo-yos, but they lit up when you use them. And I swear mine, I don't know if I broke it, but somehow it got like a, a knot in the string and then it was just, it was like one of those teeny tiny knots that are just, you couldn't pick it with your fingernails even if you wanted to. I'm like, well, no, I think it was either that or the light didn't come on anymore. For, and I hadn't even had it that long. I don't even think I'd had it for a full 24 hours. <laughs> I just remember that. Also, I think in sixth grade, like, 
for a very short amount of time, yo-yos were, you know, it seemed like every kid had a yo-yo. I mean, I'm just thinking of when did that <laughs> episode of The Simpsons come out with the that yo-yo demonstration? DJ comes in and she is wearing not really. You could maybe call it kind of a mustard yellow, but I know there are other shades of yellow out there besides mustard and canary and sunshine, but she's wearing matching socks to go with it. So DJ comes in and like, hey, Michelle, how's it going? And Michelle says, this yo-yo is broken, and she slips the, the knot over her finger and just drops the yo-yo on the ground. Like, I'm done with this. DJ's got something even better. It's a piggy bank. Oh. So, yes, DJ did, in fact, open her own savings account. This is two episodes after Working Girl. So we got a little continuity there. She's like, I opened my own savings account, so uh, here you are. Have at it. Here's a piggy bank for you. And she's probably, Michelle's like, what am I doing with this? I have no money. Of course, it's empty. Like, I don't get it. It's empty. There's no money in here. Yeah, Michelle asks, where's the money? And DJ says, well, you have to earn it. You can check the couch cushions. Or you can go up to someone who's a soft touch and say, Please feed my piggy. <laughs> you know, just hold your little piggy bank up. Please feed my piggy. Oh, oh, she doesn't waste a second. Please feed my piggy. <laughs> oh, she, uh, Michelle works fast, I tell you. All right, she's got a quarter. Michelle loves that noise of the coin jiggling around inside of that little piggy bank. Makes me think of Lucy from the Peanuts movies where she'll be a therapist or psychiatrist to Charlie Brown and like five cents please and then she'll jiggle the canister like oh how I love nickels I love that jingle jangle sound. Up you go I'm waiting. <laughs> Hey, Michelle, how you doing? This yo-yo is broken. Well, I have something better for you. Since I opened my own savings account, I want you to have my old piggy bank. Thank you very much. Hey, where's the money? Well, you have to earn it yourself. You could check the couch cushions or find someone who's a soft touch, look real cute, and say... Please feed my piggy. Please feed my piggy. Boy, you picked that one up real fast. Here's a quarter. Ooh, I like that sound. So now we're going to move downstairs, and I like that it seems like we don't get people just Sit, they're usually sitting on the couch a lot of the times for these scenes. Every once in a while, like when you have all the family and there's a couple might be people might be sitting in the chairs. But we got Danny and Joey sitting across from each other in the chairs. We got the coffee table turned sideways because they have a chessboard set up. I don't think in the time of four seasons or even after do we ever see them with, you know, the two of them playing chess. I didn't even know they could play chess. I mean, 
I'm sure anyone could learn. I mean, I've had several people try to teach me over the years, and I'm just like, Ugh. I think the second time around, I think I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind learning. And, you know, after two minutes, I'm like, you know what, never mind. I don't want to learn. Don't stop telling me how to play this game, because I don't want to learn. We do get, in Season 5, between Steve and Max, playing chess, because... Max is just the chess champion, and it turns out Steve's got a hidden talent of his own, and he is the chess master. So, pretty cool. Soon-to-be stepson and soon-to-be stepfather playing chess. Don't worry, guys, I will cover that episode. So, clearly Danny is taking his sweet, sweet time. I'm not sure. Do I want to move this piece? Because he'll reach down, touch it, get ready to lift it up to move it. And then he'll pull back, like, hesitant, like, mm, I don't know. Do I want to make that move? And Joey is just like, Danny, we've been at this for two hours now, and you still, oh my god. See, this is why I don't play chess with you, Danny. Because you're always like this. They probably had to blow the dust off that chess set because it's been so long since it's been played with. Again, Danny leans forward and goes to look like he's going to make a move. And Joey's just look like he's got his, you know, one hand over the other. Like, okay, okay, good, 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 Danny. And you know Danny, again, is probably going to pull back. Like, I don't know. It's like, oh, my gosh. Bishop to King's Knight 4, Danny said. Okay, so he actually does make a move. Thank goodness. How long have they been at this game? <laughs> Joey starts leapfrogging over all over the board. I'm thinking, he gets to the end, he's like, King me. And Danny looks at Joey like, we're not playing checkers here. We're playing chess. Those rules don't apply. They're not the same game. Bishop to King's Knight 4. Check. <laughs> King me. So Stephanie comes in. She's got a note with her. I swear she's... It looks like maybe at one point in season 3 that she'd worn this gray and red sweater with the red dog on it with the black ears. I swear that she wore it in th season three when she had, you know, the curly hair. Because now she's got straight hair. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think with her hair down now instead of the curls, it does make her look a little bit older. And she is. She's a little bit taller. Uh, she's got a red scrunchie in her hair. The sweater she's wearing, like I said, red dog with the black ears. And it's Got, like, fuzzy, you know, television static gray with black. They're not spots, but they're, like, I don't know what they are. But, anyway, it's, like, um, a bunch of, like, black something or others. And then also on the sleeves. And then she's got, like, red, like, large dividing stripes. And then also on the collar. 
And the uh, cuffs is red as well. Yeah, she's got a note from her teacher, and she's like, oh, Dad, you don't have to read this. Just sign it. It's not a big deal. And Danny's like, no, I think I need to read this. So this is just based on a teacher's assumption as Danny skims the note and says, oh, Steph, it looks like you're having issues reading, and the teacher thinks you need to have your eyes examined. Um, now, I don't know school nurses if they have the ability to diagnose someone whether or not they may need, you know, glasses or not. But can a teacher just up and like, hey, your child is having difficulty? Yeah, she's like holding the book so close up to her face. Like, wow, that is something that maybe she should have had her eyes looked at a bit ago. If it's if it's to the point where she's like holding it like just up to her nose. Yeah, you, you need to get her to a vision specialist so we can diagnose the just like she farsighted, nearsighted. Let's get some glasses on this child because no one wants ice ring. Nobody wants, you know, you should be able to enjoy reading without having the book like right up to, I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely. And Joey, yeah, because Stephanie's like, well, isn't that just goofy? I mean, what is, she's a teacher. She's not a vision specialist. So Joey's like, yeah, if it's so silly, let's uh, let's see you read that now. It's like, okay, if we're going to properly see if the teacher is correct, let's see Stephanie read that note. Yeah, she reads the note, and she leans into it, because Danny holds the note up to her, and she's leaning over that chair. She's so close. Dear Mr. Tanner, Stephanie has been reading her book too close to her face. Stephanie has been holding her paper very close to her face, and she literally, she keeps leaning forward. I'm like, oh my gosh! How long has this been going on? And they've never picked up on it? I mean, if you're, if you're, like, leaning, like, literally, like, inches in front of your face a note, she probably should, she should have been to see someone a bit ago. And Danny says, look, you're, you're getting your eyes checked, okay? This, we need to find out what's going on. And her big concern is, what if they tell me I need glasses? I'm like, well, then we're going to get you some glasses, sweetie. This isn't a problem that we're going to allow to keep persisting. It's... No. Okay, seriously, were they still doing that in... When did this episode come out? Alright, let me see here. January 25th of 91. So I would have been nine. I would have been around Stephanie's age. So, um... Clearly, yeah, it always seemed like in the 90s, like, oh, boys, oh, you know, dumb stuff. Like, I never had that. I mean, when I got glasses, I was 15. It was 1997. I was a freshman in high school. I think we were past that. I never got someone like, hey, oh, four eyes. I never got any of that stuff. And I don't know, I can't see kids today teasing each other for wearing glasses because a lot of people wear them. 
And there's nothing wrong with a person who's wearing glasses. They just need a little extra help. I think at some point, more than, I bet anything, and this is just me saying, I bet anything after a certain age, 50% of the human population is wearing glasses at least once in their life. Whether it's after age 65 or not, I don't know. But I bet anything, a person, I mean, if you can go through your entire life and live to be 102 and not wear glasses, that's awesome. But I, I still feel that at least one, everyone in their life at some point is going to wear glasses. Whether it's for the fix of correction or... Whether it's because you need bifocals and your eyes just... Guys, your eyes change as you get older. That's just how it is. Every part of your body is going to change as you get older. It's part of life. Your body wears out. It's got, not going to be new right off... Right off the, you know, the uh, factory belt. Just how it is. And... Danny says, honey, you are not going to look like a geek. But if you don't take care of this issue now, you are going to, your eyesight could possibly get worse. Well, the fact that she's, like, again, she's reading the with the paper so close to her face, it's already gotten worse. I don't think it's always been like that. Yes, we've all probably been told that if you eat carrots, it will help your vision. Lies! All lies. <laughs> because Stephanie says, all those years eating carrots, what a waste. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I could eat a carrot, you know, carrot sticks, but one thing I will not eat is soft carrots. Mm, 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 no, 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 no. Recipe calls for carrots, it's not going into the pot. Hi, Steph. Hey, Stephanie. How was school today? Just another day in third grade. Here's a silly note from my teacher. You don't have to read it. Just sign it. <laughs> you mind if I just skim it, do you? <laughs> Steph, it says here that you're having trouble reading and you need to have your eyes examined. Isn't that silly? <laughs> well, if it's so silly, let's see you read that note. Okay. Dear Mr. Tanner, lately Stephanie has been holding her paper very close to her face. <laughs> you're getting your eyes checked. But what if they tell me I need glasses? I'm going to look like a geek. Sweetheart, you are not going to look like a geek. But if you don't take care of this now, your eyesight could get worse. All those years eating carrots. What a waste. <laughs> Stephanie heads upstairs as Michelle walks into the living room from the kitchen, holding her piggy bank out, saying, Please feed my piggy. And Joey's got three pennies to put in there. And I like how Michelle knows that a quarter is going to be worth more than a penny or three pennies. Because she's like, he's still very hungry. You wouldn't happen to have any quarters, would you? <laughs> and Joey says, go talk to your dad. Okay, Danny, I'm sure she, he starts kissing her. Like, I got quarters for you. Here's a quarter. Kisses her on the cheek. Here's 25 cents. Here's a dime. Here's a nickel. I would have been, no, dad, real money. Like Joey gave me, only more than a penny. He's like, oh, here's a quarter, here's 50 cents, here's 75 cents. And it looks like she's kind of getting, like, stop. Please be my piggy. 
have some pennies for your piggy to snack on. Very hungry. Do you got any quarters? Go talk to your dad. I got quarters. Here you go. Here's a quarter. There's 50 cents. There's 75 cents. So, Jesse and Becky are in the kitchen. She's got a list in front of her. She says, all right, Jess, we've come down to the final decision for this wedding. Should the waiters at the reception wear white gloves? And I love how Jesse's like, remind me who's playing again? And she says, my father. It's like, yeah, definitely white gloves. You know, since he's paying. <laughs> Which is funny because... In the wedding episode of part two, the reception is held at the house because since Jesse was out skydiving before his wedding, he was late to the wedding, therefore they're late for the reception, they lost the hall. So odds are they lost all of that stuff. The hall, the, the waiters, everything. But that just seems like, I mean, we all know Daddy Donaldson is a big wig in Nebraska in the farming community. He, big, 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 big farm. So, <laughs> this just sounds like a tedious detail that those that spend like thousands upon thousands, like 20 plus thousand dollars on a wedding would have a tiny, tiny detail like that. Which, to each their own, if you got money to, to burn on your wedding, I'd say to each their own. Do it if you want to do it. Me, we didn't have waiters. It was a self-serve buffet. And that's how I like it. Gosh. I remember I ate so much food I did not have room for wedding cake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then we did the traditional, let's save the top of the wedding cake. Um, and it was there for a handful of years before my dad was cleaning out his freezer. And it's like, do you want this? No, no, we throw it, throw it out, throw it out. <laughs> oh, Jesse's it happy because, you know, he's, that's it. We're done. We've made every teeny tiny decision that could possibly be made that has to be made about the wedding. Except... Jesse, you're forgetting you have not chosen a best man yet, and you need to do that. What's the holdup here? He's been avoiding it. He says, hallelujah, it's over. Yeah, he apparently has been putting off this minuscule, teeny, tiny, not even worth mentioning detail since he and Becky got engaged. Choosing a best man. Which I get, I mean... Danny's his brother-in-law. He's related through, you know, marriage to Jesse's big sister. However, and yes, Je Jesse does consider Danny a friend, but Joey, on the other hand, they've been, they've gotten closer as friends through, you know, working together in advertising and all that fun stuff. You know, they're going to go on with the radio show in season six. So I can see why he does pick Joey initially. Like, you're both my friends, but, you know, with Joey being my partner in advertising and he and I have gotten really close as friends, and, you know, thanking Danny for that because if he hadn't, they hadn't moved into the house, 
Jesse and Joey would just be acquaintances through Danny. Yeah, and she says, who's going to be your best man, Danny or Joey? And Jesse admits, like, yeah, I've, I've been avoiding this. Like, yeah. Because I, I understand he doesn't want to hurt someone's feelings. He thinks it's such an easy, to, like, oh, don't worry, honey. It's going to be just, I'll do it, okay? We'll get them all together. We'll get them both in the same room together. I'll make the decision. It'll be final. That'll be that. Tears will be shed. Sad music will be played. That's how Danny gets his sorrow out. He sings sad songs. Yeah, it's like, well, there's no time like the present. No one's really doing anything. Danny, Joey, get in here. <laughs> Becky goes to the doorway. <sighs> Way to put the pressure on. And Jesse's like, are you crazy? You're embarrassing me. Seriously. I don't know which one I'm going to pick. i got to think about it. And he's probably had, what, at least they've probably been engaged for probably a couple months at this point. So, you've had time. But you know those agonizing pain-in-the-butt decisions that we all put off the last minute because you just don't want to, oh, like, oh, gosh, I can't believe I can do this. Like, I put it off, put it off, put it off until the moment has arrived and you have no choice but to make a decision. It's better to take your time and make a decision than make a quick one and then have doubts later on. Like, did I really make the right decision? You don't want any regrets. So Danny and Joey come in and Jesse's like, hi, boys. Uh, now that I have you here, uh, there's something very important that I need to talk to you about. We're going with the white gloves. <laughs> did D Danny and Joey even know what Jesse's talking about? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we're very happy for you. Becky elaborates, like, well, we planned out the whole wedding except for one tiny detail, Jesse. The way that Jesse says that is like he's delivering the worst news. He's like, uh, I, I, uh, I have to pick a best man. We all know the tradition is you can only have one, but Jesse is eventually going to buck that tradition and say, forget it, I'm starting a new tradition. It's called have as many best men as you need or best mans as you want. It's your wedding. It only happens once, right? Go for it. <laughs> Joey and Danny are both smiling like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And Jesse, because Becky is just, Arms crossed, just looking at him, smiling, like, <laughs> good thing I don't have to make this decision. <laughs> Putting the pressure on him. And Jesse is just like, I don't want to make this decision. I, look how happy they are. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. It's like, I like that Jesse is, he is. He's putting their feelings at stake. And yes, it's making the decision that much harder. And Danny, of course, putting on a brave act of saying, oh, Jess, come on. It's no big deal. Someone's feelings are going to get hurt. And Joey says, yeah, whatever you guys decide, it's fine with us. We're mature adults. Uh-huh. And Jesse says, all right, uh, I picked Joey. And the way that Joey's like, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and Danny just looks crestfallen, like, oh, uh, 
Great. Good. Good for you. Congratulations, Joey. I'm going to go somewhere else for a moment. Excuse me. <laughs> Danny looks at Joey celebrating, and then Joey's like, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, if that, if that's cool. I mean, if that's what you want, absolutely great. <laughs> Poor Danny just died a little inside. Like, oh. It's like, you know, I am your brother-in-law. We're actually kind of related. And um, I'm letting you live in my house. Rent-free, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to pick Joey, sure. I just, uh, yeah, I thought we were closer than that. Okay. <laughs> so Danny actually shakes Joey's hands and, hand and says, congratulations, Joey. And he has this painted, like, I'm looking like I'm happy, but I'm kind of dying inside. Excuse me, I need to leave the room before I burst into tears kind of look. So, Danny gets a consolation prize from Jesse. He's like, Danny, I'd like you to be my head usher. Like, oh, great. Thanks. Danny can't even look Jesse in the eye. He's like, hey, hey that's, uh, that's terrific. Thanks. At least I'm, you know, <laughs> included in the wedding. Like, no, and like, you know, I mean, Danny, look, if something happens to Joey and he is unable to fulfill his best man duties... Well, you are right there as backup, so yeah. I love how Becky says if he is unable to fulfill his duties as best man or brings disgrace to this disgrace to this tradition, well, the head usher stands up and assumes the crown. <laughs> like Joey, if you do anything to embarrass me or my family during my special big day, yeah, you're gonna be swapping places with. Danny. He'll be head usher and he'll be in your place. So, yeah. Danny says, well, you know, hey, if I'm needed, then boop, I'm ready to serve. He's <laughs> And Jesse's like, oh, well, thanks, Danny. Thanks for taking this so well. And Danny's like, yeah, well, I could still win the swimsuit competition. <laughs> and the look of Becky and Jesse is just like, what? Okay, Jess, now this is the last decision we have to make for the wedding. Should the waiters at the reception wear white gloves? Who's paying again? My parents. Go for <laughs> white gloves. Yep. All right, that's it. No more decisions. We've made every teeny, tiny, minuscule, trivial decision about this wedding. It's over. Hallelujah. Well, honey, there is one teeny, tiny, minuscule, trivial decision you've been putting off since we got engaged. Hmm. Who's going to be your best man, Danny or Joey? Oh, I know I've been avoiding this. All right, I'll tell you what, as soon as we're all together, I'll pick the best man, and that'll be it. Great. Danny, Joey, get in here! It's <laughs> embarrassing me like this. I don't know which one I'm going to pick. I... Hi, boys. Hey. What's going on? <laughs> well, uh, now that we're all together, uh, there's something very important I want to talk about. We're going with the white gloves. <laughs> Hey, we're very happy for the both of you. Well, actually, we planned out the whole wedding, except for one little detail. Uh, I have to pick a best man. <laughs> this, I, I can't do this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, Jess, it's no big deal. Nobody's feelings are going to be hurt. That's right. Whatever you guys decide is fine with us. We're mature adults. All right. 
I picked Joey. Yes! I get to be the best man! Yes! That's what you want. It's cool with me. <laughs> Congratulations, Joey. Oh, yeah. Mm, he's dying inside. Danny, uh, I'd like you to be my uh, head usher. Oh, hey, that, that's terrific. Well, if for any reason Joey is unable to perform his duties as best man, or he does anything to bring disgrace to his position, the head usher steps up and assumes the crown. Ah, see? Well, if needed, I'm, I'm ready to serve. Uh, well, thanks for taking this so good. Hey, I could still win the swimsuit competition. <laughs> All right, so we're in the living room. Danny's on his guitar, and he is depressed. And he wants... I honestly think he's trying to make Jesse feel guilty for not picking him. Because he's singing that song, Hang Your Head, Tom Dooley, or whatever that song, whatever the song is titled. And I gotta say, you know, Bob Saget does have a good singing voice. I really think he does. Just as Jesse's coming down the stairs, Danny's singing Tom Dooley, Hang Your Head and Cry, or Hang Your Head and Die, or something to that effect. <laughs> and, yeah, he really uh, puts the emphasis on just... Ah, uh, it's just like his heart is broken. And Jesse cuts Danny off like, Danny, this happy little hanging tune wouldn't happen to do with uh, me not picking you as my best man. And Danny's like, oh, well, no, of course not. And then he starts, you know, he continues on with the song. It's like, I'm just gonna bug you until you change your mind eventually. Like, <sighs> that maybe Danny feels like Jess I thought we were kind of closer than that being I was married to your sister even though we're not blood related still but it's just I see why originally Jesse picked Joey they're, they've gotten you know their buds they ran an advertising company together and all that fun stuff so it makes sense. I mean, just because Jesse's living in Danny's house. It's like, oh, because they live in your house? No, I have no choice. I have to. I mean, I, I like that he did choose the both of them because they both are Jesse's best friends. I mean, I know Jess, or Danny didn't want to be. Joey doesn't even want to be head usher when Jesse says, oh, I think I kind of made a mistake <laughs> and when I came to choosing the best man like don't make me head usher <laughs> oh my uh, ooh, Jesse was right when he he had mentioned um oh my gosh this Tom Dooley song is awful it's horrid Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, according to Wikipedia, it says it's a traditional North Carolina folk song based on the 1866 murder of a woman named Laura Foster in Wilkes County, North Carolina, by Tom Dula, whose name in the local dialect was pronounced Dooley. Popular hit version recorded in 1958 by the Kingston Trio. Um, top 10 on the Billboard R&B chart. Appeared in the Cashbox Country Music Top 20. So, yeah, I'm not going into this Tom Dooley song anymore, but if you check out Wikipedia Tom Dooley song, 
there is a history to the song, and it is gruelingly just, it's, it's, it's gruesome, it's horrific, it's just, I, duh. There weren't any other depressing, sad songs that he could sing, because you know Danny's doing this deliberately to make Jesse feel guilty, but Tom Dooley, oh my goodness. And Jesse, pretty much, yeah, he hits a nail on the head. Like, Danny, this happy little hanging song wouldn't be, uh, you having issues with me choosing Joey as my best man, would it? And Danny's like, oh, no, Jess, not at all. No, I mean, if you really think about it, best man and Usher, head usher, I mean, there's really not that big a difference. You know, the best man gets his stand next to the groom, give him the ring, make the toast at the reception. Basically be the star of the wedding. Uh, I thought that the star of the wedding is probably going to be the bride and groom. That's their day. Sure, the uh, best man and um, maid of honor will be. That's the thing I did not have. Um, I My sister, I had her as a matron of honor. So, um... Yeah, I just thought that that would be the best. I really didn't have a whole lot of friends really too much. So I just was like, rather than just that, I was honored to have my sister stand up for me. So, and Jeremy had his brother as his best man. So it worked out. And Danny with such disdain is like, oh, and the head usher gets to say, oh, I'm sorry. Those seats are for the family. And Jesse's like, Danny, are you trying to make me feel bad? Because, you know, it's it's working. It's like, oh, yes, he definitely is applying that guilt. And Danny just feels like the role of head usher. It's so demeaning. Like, you could have just made Danny a groomsman. And Danny says, I would never do that to you, Jess. As he continues his Tom Dooley song. Now he's saying, oh, is that a separate song? Sweet, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot? I think it might be. Again, the Sweet Low, Sweet Chariot song's got a major, there's a history to this song. It's been around for quite a long time. Uh, Wikipedia, again, you know, I guess with, you know, Wikipedia tend to take it, you know, take it with a grain of salt, as they say. But yeah, this song is just, Wow, it spans the test of time with um, all the ways that it's been used over the years and years and years. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. He is so this uh, happy little hanging tune wouldn't have anything to do with me picking Joey as my best man, now, would it? Yeah. Yes, not at all. When you, when you think about best man or head usher, there's not really much of a difference. The best man gets to stand next to the groom, give him the ring, make the toast, basically be the star of the wedding. And the head usher, he gets to say, I'm sorry, those seats are for the family. <laughs> are you trying to make me feel bad? Because it's working. I would never do that to you. Swing low. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, those seats are for the family. Come on, gonna carry me home. Swing low. Okay, so... <laughs> 
we're gonna get Steve and just uh, not Steve as we know Steve Hale, Steve Urkel. <laughs> the way that DJ and Julie bust into the house, it's like, oh my gosh, Dad, you have to help us. It's like they're being chased by something or somebody. <laughs> this is just some, does everyone run away from Steve? <laughs> Family matters like Steve. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, but it just seemed like growing up watching, you know, Family Matters, Full House, Kimmy Gibbler, Steve Urkel, uh, Kramer might have also been up there too. I'm sure there was another annoying neighbor. Um, what was his name on Torkelson's? Um, 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 um. And I don't think he barged in. He normally not. Um... Curly Scroggins, was it? In uh, Torkelson's, the curly-haired kid who had a thing for Dorothy Jane. Oh, my God. No, he would usually, like, be up in her, uh, the tree outside her bedroom window. Uh, but just, they're made that way so you can, you sympathize with the character being irritated by them. Like, oh, ugh, why are you here? So, the reason, according to Julie, because Steve is her cousin, the reason he's even in San Francisco is for a big science fair. A science fair that's open to anybody as in anyone from out of state that wants to come to it. Because normally when science fairs, when I think science fair, I think something that is held by a particular school where you have to be a student. But, I don't know, maybe, at this point, how long had Family Matters been running? I mean, this is 91, the beginning of 91, in fact. So, and as, I'd say this, uh, Family Matters, I bet anything, that show was running for at least three seasons by the time he made his appearance. Family Matters. Okay, starting in 89. So two years after Full House. Uh, so by the time that this episode had aired, it was halfway through season two. So we had already been well-versed in Steve Urkel. And had Urkel's even come out at that point? I mean, I never had them, but uh, Jeremy and I, last night we were, before I you know fell asleep, we were talking about cereals, and I kept saying how I wanted, I want Krispy Critters cereal to come back, I want Crunchy Stars of the Swedish Chef from the Muppets to come back. I remember those cereals, like, out of all the cereals I think I had as a kid, those are the two that stick in my mind. Like, I remember the taste of them. Um, there's another one, uh, Dinosaurs was another one that would have dinosaur-shaped cereal, but, uh, those two really, really stuck out. So, Julie and DJ are trying to write an article for the school paper, and Steve just will not stop hounding them, just on them, like, ugh. cheese on toast, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, gosh, that's another thing that sounds good. My grandma used to make that. Have you ever had... Cheese on toast, where it's like a cheese sauce that's made with like velve a block of Velveeta cheese. 
Uh, paprika, I think, was another thing that added a little bit of flavor, also flavor to it. My grandma would make that, and it was so good. And I just, my, I have the recipe somewhere. My dad didn't have me write it down, because, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Oh, I think, like, grandparents always, grandmas always make the best foods. They always have those recipes that are just unlike anything anyone could ever try to replicate. Because it's always got to have grandma's touch. And DJ's being nice about it. Like, well, her cousin is kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for, Julie? And Julie just rolls her eyes and says, Deej, come on, you can say it. Pain in the butt. Yeah. I guess the Winslows are getting a little bit of a break from Steve. And he's just coming over to bug his cousin, Julie. So, Steve knocks on the door. If you're familiar with the shave and a haircut two bits, which is, let's see if I can do it on this wall. Because there is no second knock at the end. It's shave and a haircut two, and then he's missing the bits part. Because when he knocks that very last time, they're all like waiting, like, okay, we know this type of knock. Where's the very end part to it? Because they're, they're honestly like, what? Either that or, I, I don't know. But Kimmy should take lessons in how to um, knock on a door. Which again, I mean, yes, he might barge into the Winslow's, but this is not the Winslow's house. This is a Tanner house. And if you are not Kimmy Gibbler, you can't just barge in. You have to knock. That's how it goes. There is already a barger in neighbor. We don't need two of them. So, yeah, they figure, yep, that's him. Look, Dad, do me a big favor. You never saw us. Yes, we were never here. And also, we're never coming back. And they escape into the kitchen. And Jesse says, as he goes to the door, how annoying can one kid be? I'm sorry, those seats are for the family. Come on, for the carry What's going on? It's my cousin Steve. He's in town for the big science fair, and he won't quit bugging us. Julie and I are trying to write an article for the school paper, but her cousin is kind of a... What's the word I'm looking for? Pain in the butt. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> That's him. Dad, you never saw us. And if he asks where we are, we were never here, and we're never coming back. Got it. So after DJ and Julie zip to the kitchen, Jesse is the one who answers the door and he says, how annoying can one kid be? And I'm thinking, you know Kimmy Gibbler, right? Amp it up times ten. <laughs> he opens the door and Steve <laughs> practically leaps in the doorway and says, honey, I'm home. <laughs> The audience goes wild, which is expected, of course. They've already fallen in love with Steve Urkel, and the show's been on for only a year and a half. I don't know why, honestly. I thought he would be, like, I thought maybe he was a smidge older, maybe a little taller, but I'm like, no. Think of when, um... Arnold from Different Strokes went to, <laughs> he was on an episode of Silver Spoons in season one. And by that time that, um, 
Silver Spoons had been on the air. I think that... I bet anything different. Strokes was like more than halfway through a sh the sh that show's run at that point. Because the show started in eight, uh, 78. Yeah, it started, whoops, started in 78 and ended in 86. So by the time, yeah, it would have been, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I honestly, I kind of do like the crossovers. Now, I don't know those of you out there that had seen Family Guy and the Simpsons crossover. So that was, it was interesting, but it was, it definitely was dark. It definitely took a page out of Family Guy's book with the, the darkness and just like, wow. But I think it's the one that everyone's like, oh, that'd be interesting if these two animated adult cartoon family shows came to and just uh see what they could do together kind of like um Jetsons and Flintstones I remember that was really cool and Steve says Steve Urkel at your service and it's, it's funny because his glasses are so huge which was a thing in the 80s those on sitcoms, the glasses were always huge. They hung past your cheekbones, practically. They were that large. Yeah, I think Jesse's kind of realizing how bad can one kid, how uh, <laughs> bad can one kid be? <laughs> like, hi, Steve. He's almost like, uh, I don't know what to make of you, young man. <laughs> I've seen Kimmy Gibbler in my day, and you, sir, are no Kimmy Gibbler, but you're, you're, you're up, you're gonna get up, just wait. <laughs> ah. So it's really cool when Jesse's like, you know, Steve, there's something about you. Hmm. You walk, you walk like you forgot to take the hanger out of your shirt. I thought he was gonna say you walk like you forgot to take the hanger out of your pants, but you don't. So Jesse relays the message, look, uh, Steve, DJ and Julie were never here and they're never coming back. And Steve asks, never? Okay, I'll wait. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't get to wait. But yeah, you just going to hang out. Like I'm here. I might as well hang out. I walked all the way here. He looked like he was about ready to like push Steve back out onto the front steps and <laughs> shut the door in his face. Da, 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 what are you doing? Go, go in here. Oh, that's right. Steve Urkel sang with the accordion. It's like, oh, because he sees Danny on the couch with his guitar. And he's like, oh, do you have a spare accordion? We could jam. And Danny's like, no, my accordion's in the shop. Like, they don't know what to make of Steve. I mean... Kimmy Gibbler's annoying, yeah, and she gives as good as she gets with the insults, but Steve is a, is another breed of cat here. He is definitely someone they've never, <laughs> kind of person they've not met before. Puts his guitar down on the coffee table and says, hi, Steve, I'm Danny Tanner, DJ's dad. This is Jesse Katsopoulos, my brother-in-law. So, of course, again, he still is throwing these digs at Jesse, like, oh, uh, Joey's not here, he's, uh, 
Jesse's best man. I'm uh, just the usher. <laughs> and even Steve can pick up on the, on the cues. Like, wow, you seem not happy about that decision. You seem pretty bitter there, Danny. Steve is right. Jesse agrees with him. You know, might I say, you just need to suck it up and get on with life. Honestly, yes. Danny, Steve comes with great, great advice here. He really, really does. Like, look, the decision's been made. Can't be unmade. Well, it will be. But for the time being, it's not going to be unmade. Got to live with it. Yes, it's, it's sad it wasn't you. We get it. You're you're very hurt about it. Like, I marry his sister. I don't see why I'm not the best man. He's living in my house, rent free. <laughs> so Steve, and like I said, I've not seen all the episodes of Family Matters, but apparently this is another thing he's really big into cheese. Like, got any cheese? And he starts heading towards the kitchen because this is just Steve. He'll just he'll come to your into your house, start making himself comfortable, go through your refrigerator, probably raid your pantry, looking for cheese. And it's like, oh, you you can't go in there because uh, we're we're out of cheese. So the next best thing for Steve is, well, I'll just pour myself a glass of milk and wait for it to curdle. Oh. Oh, ah, that's nasty. I can smell the stinky milk fumes already. So, yeah, they really don't want Steve going into the kitchen. They're trying to, you know, protect DJ and uh, Julie from Steve Urkel. I get it. They gotta focus. They can't look. Steve, look, I get it. You want to tell stories, our life stories. That's great. We'll table that for another time. But we need to focus on this, and you're disrupting us. There are five other people in this house. Go find them and occupy their time. But as he's making his way to the kitchen door, Jesse, like, jumps in front of him. He's like, oh, he's... Steve, you know, I noticed there's something about you here. Um, yeah. Something I think we need to work on. I can help you improve yourself. It's walk, Steve. Yeah, you, I see that you kind of walk like you got the hanger in your shirt still. What's up with that? So, Jesse is going to teach Steve Urkel how to be cool. You gotta let it flow. Jesse is so limber, but Steve, being young, is also limber and, like, flexible, like, with the bending of the back. Oh, I wish I could bend <laughs> my knees and legs and back like that. Wow. <laughs> Steve takes this as a compliment. Like, I see how that you walk like you still have the hanger left in your shirt. And Steve's like, oh, why, thank you. And I love how Jesse says... Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, I think we we need to fix that, Steve. I love Jesse. He's like, Steve, I'd like to help you because, uh, frankly, you need help. I'd say the walk is a waste of its problems. Oh, my goodness. I know. I, I, I beg on Steve on occasion. Um, but he is over. This kid, he's a good kid. He, he, he sh shoots it straight. You know, he, he'll tell you exactly what you don't want to hear 
He's he's real with you, basically. Yeah, he's like, you gotta be loose, man. You gotta just be cool. Let it flow. As Jesse starts kind of bending his knees and his back. Yeah, loosen up. Be very fluid. And Steve starts kind of following what Jesse is doing with the bending of the knees and the back. And the fluidity is the key. And he also teaches Steve how to strut. <laughs> Jesse Katsopoulos, master of the strut. And then Jesse's like, all right. And then you kind of shift your weight. And then you just, and then you strut. And then it's cool. And you strut. And it's cool. It's just, oh, Jesse, just the master of strut. Rocking those boots. Those cowboy, well, are they cowboy? They look like white rattlesnake boots possibly i know i don't know anything about cowboy boots and leather and snakeskin boots and what have you i don't know i don't wear that stuff my feet are sore enough as it is i'm not gonna make it worse by wearing cowboy boots <laughs> steve's like oh very inspiring this is his shtick though this is steve's shtick he's got the the high waist pants so far up, they're almost to his chest. They're like well above his 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 navel, his belly button. He's got the suspenders. Um, his pants are really they're high up. They're cuffed. They're like at calf point almost. The bottoms of his pants because they're hiked up that high met a more limber person like Steve Urkel. I've, I've never seen a more limber person like Steve Urkel. We should all wish to have that same fluidity and limber flexibility. I mean, I got to, I, uh, I applaud the gymnasts. Their flexibility is amazing. Acrobats, it's like they're just made of, well, everyone's got water in them. But it's just, it's almost like they're made of, like, gel, and they're just, just, wow, it's just amazing. It's almost like the way that Jesse's using his hands to kind of push down, like, out with the bad air, in with the good, in with the good air, out with the bad, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, push out the bad energy, in with the good energy. And Jesse says, yeah, I mean, see, that's, that's close. <laughs> And I love how Steve's like, wow, that was a walk on the wild side. Like, you're hanging with Uncle Jesse, man. You gotta be cool. So, Steve's gonna give Jesse some tips on how to better improve his circulation walking with your elbows out. See, doesn't it improve your... Yeah, Jesse's like, yeah, I do kind of feel the blood flow a little bit better to my chest and everything. And then finally, he's like, he's walking with his elbows out. He's like, what, what am I doing? So... Steve finds another way to pass the time. Life stories. It's so amazing how it feels like whenever, like, I wear shorts and, you know, I have a, a birthmark on my knee that's been there since I was born, basically. <laughs> and some are like, oh, how did you get that? Or the scars on my neck. As a big indicator, when someone asks about that, I will usually say, those are from feeding tubes. When I was born, I only weighed a pound and six ounces. I was a preemie baby. And my lungs weren't developed. And also, I had to have tubes put in to be able to, you know, 
be fed and everything. So, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately because, you know, these scars, they saved my life. They're exactly, they're why I'm here today. I'm sure, like, cosmetic surgery was brought up at one point when I was young and the doctors just said, no, that really wouldn't be the best thing. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not embarrassed by it or, or anything. I'm just, I'm proud of it. I just, I just say, you know, these are why I'm here today. And it always seems whenever someone asks me that, I always, like, launch into my life story. And it's like, uh, well, an abbreviated version of it. Oh, Steve says, I'll go first. All right. So I was born on a cold January night in 1976. And then he goes into more detail about his mom pushing Steve out into the world as far as get, basically giving birth to him. And it's like, whoa, Steve, TMI, TMI, TMI. And Steve even says this was the year of America's bicentennial. Oh, that's right, 1776, right? And then 1976, so 200 years old. Gotcha, gotcha. He said, my mom was in a great deal of pain, and I was charging, like, okay. Um, finally, like, they cut him off. Like, Steve, no, we're done here. And, <laughs> well, even escort you to the ladies. They're actually right through the kitchen there. Like, we can't take any more of this. They they finally see what Julie's saying is, yeah, he's a bit of a pain in the neck. Pain in the butt. They've had all their Steve... They've, they've hit that Steve Urkel quota for the day. For the year, actually. Just in that 10 minutes of time. Both Danny and Jesse lift Steve up under his arms from the couch and guide him to the... Like, oh, I think I hear DJ. I think she's in there. Right in the kitchen, there you go. Yeah, and just before he leaves to go into the kitchen, it's like, oh, good day, gentlemen. And then as soon as the door to the kitchen closes, he says, oh, ladies, and they scream. <laughs> How annoying could one kid be? Hi, <laughs> The applause. Julie, we're never here, and they're never coming back. Never? Well, that's okay. I'll wait. Oh, no, yeah. Hey, you have a spare accordion? We can jam. Well, my accordion is in the shop. How you doing? I'm, I'm Danny Tanner, DJ's dad. That's Jesse Gasopoulos, my brother-in-law. Hi. Joey's not here. He's uh, Jesse's best man. I'm just the head usher. Well, gee, Danny, you sound a little bitter. May I suggest that you just suck it up and get on with your life? There you go. Kid's got a point. Boy, am I hungry. Got any cheese? No. Uh, you can't go in there because um, we're out of cheese. Oh, no probably no. I'll just pour a glass of milk and wait for it to curdle. Ew. Uh, Steve, Steve, Steve-o. <laughs> Steve, I, I can't help notice that you uh, walk like you still have the hanger on your shirt. Oh, my thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Steve, I'd like to help you because, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> you need help. <laughs> See, 
when you're walking, you got you got to be loose, man. You got to kind of just let it be cool. You see, that's it. Loosen up. Be very flu fluid. Flu fluidity is the key. That's the move. That's it. Now, once you get it going, you shift the weight and you go. You see, and it's a strut, and it's cool, and it's a strut. Oh and yeah. It's cool like that, see. Very inspiring. All right. She's got some new glasses. He's like, hey, look who got some new glasses. And Stephanie is just like, yeah, and look who doesn't want to wear them. It's like, well, sweet, you're going to have to wear them. I'm sure they weren't cheap. Just, uh, I mean, I've had to get glasses at least, uh, new glasses at least a few times. Because I think one time, yeah, I did, yeah, <laughs> one time I sat up. That was the first time around. I actually went without glasses for a little bit until I could eventually afford to buy new ones. And the thing is with that, when you see all those, you hear all those radio commercials or you see like advertising their windows, like, oh, get two for the price of one. And then it says in small print, like, select, like, you have a select amount to choose from. You can't choose from just anything. Oh, I want these. Well, the, those aren't part. They're not included in the deal, basically. The second time I had to get glasses was because I ended up losing my glasses. And it's really funny because after I got my new ones, shortly after we brought Quinn home when she was a kitten, I found my glasses on the floor. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought I put my glasses in the... I have a little uh, holder on my nightstand to put my glasses in. I'm like, how do you? And I looked, and my glasses were there. I'm like, what are these? I'm like, oh, somehow they fell under the TV stand in our bedroom. And I, I, I don't know how. Yeah, and I remember that night that I lost them too. I had just come home with groceries, couldn't find them anywhere. I mean, as I'm always looking for my glasses. So, and then that pair had a broken, like, I picked them up. That's why I don't get the glasses with the thin arm on them anymore, because I picked them up and the arm part broke off of it, rendering my glasses pretty much useless. And I'm like, okay, and I found the pair I wanted with my final pair. I'm like, okay. Red, of course, red. Burgundy, I think, kind of a... And it's funny, because the last couple times when Jeremy's gotten glasses, we've always... 
And it's not in, it's always been intentional either. This is just a, what a coincidence. Your glasses are the same type as mine. Like he got, you know, the, the thinner arm frame glasses. And then I decided after long, I'm not getting those again. And then I got the thicker ones. And it's funny because Jeremy got a pair in a different color that was almost the same type as what mine is. And it's just, it's just so coincidental. Um, when I got my first pair of glasses when I was 15, I had been watching reruns of Growing Pains on the Disney Channel. And it was like in the last season where the youngest, well, not the youngest Seaver kid, but Ben Seaver ends up having to wear glasses. And I'm like, I kind of want those because they're really nice. They're like gold specks, like gold little flecks in the frames. And it's just like, oh, I like that. And I like Jesse's too when he shows his, which Jesse's are an improvement from what they were in season one class, you know, regular, like big eight, like Steve, like large frame glasses. It's like, honey, I'm sure your glasses look great. And Stephanie says, no, I, I honestly, I look like a total dweeb. Well, I'm sure that Joey like helped pick her out, pick out a pair. And the thing is, sometimes depending on your insurance, you're only, you're limited to what you can actually choose. Now, with my last pair of glasses that I bought, I did get some prescription sunglasses because otherwise I was using those clip-on ones, and those things don't last. They get scratched up. They barely stay on your actual glasses. Such a pain. And then also trying to shop for those clip-on sunglasses, trying to make sure they match your glass frame. Ugh, blah, blah. So finally, I'm like, you know, I'm getting new glasses. I may as well, because I think there's a deal or something, like buy one, get one half off or something. And I'm like, okay, well, I may as well get some prescription sunglasses while I'm here. And they've held up, which is good, because, <laughs> yeah. I think the last time I um did see an eye doctor, just a casual, like, I want to get a, that's, you know, all that stuff done. And the thing is, when they had me read that chart with the letters and stuff like that, I took my glasses off. And the thing is, I think you're supposed to keep your glasses on and hold a, you know, a hand over your eye and everything so you can... And it... I, I, I think I definitely would want to get them... I think that I've had them checked over the years and the prescription, like, barely ever changes... But I'm not going to say that these are the final pair of glasses I'll ever need. Because you don't know. Maybe in 20 plus years I might need to get bifocals. We'll see. Oh gosh. I'm dreading the day. I'm sorry. So yeah. Jesse's also in the uh, glasses club as he pulls out his quote unquote reading glasses. Like hey look. It's not so bad. I wear glasses too. Reading glasses. I love Jesse's glasses. They are just, I just look at those arms and how, uh, those, 
his glass, you know, the the arm or whatever you call it of the um, glasses, you know, the part that goes around your ear and stuff like that. This is like, oh, those can break so, so easily, like snap like a twig. That's why I just, I don't get the, the thin arm glasses anymore. And he's like, yeah, I do I look like a total dweeb? He's got his glasses on. And Stephanie says, well, not totally. He looks very, like, he, John Stamos is already handsome, but you add those glasses to the mix, wow. I remember, I believe, later on, like, seasons seven and eight, Stephanie does get different frames. Because the one she has here is, like, they're brown and they're, they're kind of chunky frames. Clearly, I mean, I don't believe that Jodie Sweet ever wore... I mean, we know, you know, from pictures and stuff that Bob Saget did wear glasses on occasion, like, behind the scenes of Full House and so on and so forth. Even in Fuller House, yes, he is wearing... Danny Kanner is wearing glasses. But then at that point, he's like 65 years old, so, yeah. It just kind of concludes my point that at some point in time almost everyone on this earth is going to be wearing glasses may not happen when you're young or when you're an adult but when you're middle-aged when you're elderly you might need them oh he's like honey put your glasses on i want to see you know i mean i paid for them so i'm gonna get... <laughs> so she puts them on and just as quickly like she pulls them back up like there you saw him bye and Danny, she, Sydney immediately starts going up the stairs. Danny's like, you know, for a second there, while you had your glasses on, I thought you looked sharp. Yeah, and Jesse's like, yeah, you look sophisticated. And Joey says, you know, Steph, that's why I've been telling you the whole car ride home. And Stephanie turns and says, yeah, thanks, but, you know, you're my family, so you're kind of required to say that. You're supposed to say that, so. Yeah, she says, thanks, but... I know you're just being nice because you're my family. Sweetie, they're not being nice because they're your family. You do look good. And the, the case that she has her glasses on is just the typical take-home case. Like, you can go out and buy your own type of case for it. Something a little more sturdier than a flimsy little sleeve. I mean, they got Comet, you know, they got Michelle running around. Anyone could easily just break those glasses. Oh, no, no, uh, now Jesse's confidence is shook as he asks, do I look like a dweeb? Like, Jesse, you, you are rocking those glasses, mister. You are rocking them. Both Joey and Danny say, no. <laughs> and Jesse says, oh, no, you're, you're only saying that because you're my family, like, he says, Stephanie's words, you're just being nice because you're my family. Hey! Hey, guess who got some new glasses? Guess who never wants to wear them? Oh, come on, honey. I bet they look great. I look like a total dweeb. Oh, come on. Hey, look at this, Steph. I wear reading glasses. Yeah? Yeah. Do I look like a total dweeb? Not totally. <laughs> honey, put them on. Let us see them. Okay. There, we saw him. 
You know, for a second there, I thought you actually looked sharp. Yeah, you look very sophisticated. And that's what I've been telling you since we left the eye doctor, Steph. Thanks. But I know you're just being nice because you're my family. Do I look like a dweeb? No. No. You're just being nice because you're my family. So, Stephanie goes into her room. Comet's lying there on her bed, and she asks him, Comet, you'll be honest with me, won't you? What do you think of my new glasses? She puts them on, and Comet just uh, turns the other way. He turns his head away. Oh, poor girl. And Stephanie says, I knew it. I'm the biggest geek in third grade. Like, sweetie, you are not a geek. Understand where this whole teasing of glasses, I'm sure this, I mean, I remember there's an episode of Little House on the Prairie where Mary had to get glasses and, you know, Nellie and Willie were calling her four eyes. It's like, ugh, really? I, seriously? I think that's ridiculous. So Stephanie goes to the mirror on the closet door, and it's like a fisheye lens type of look because her glasses are like bigger than her face. It's like she's pretty much just seeing her fears come to life. She's her letting her fears like overtake her judgment, and she takes them off like. And the way that Stephanie just, like, just fearful as she pulls them off. Like, this is what I, if this is what I'm seeing, this is clearly going to be what everyone else sees. So she takes her glasses off and sits back on the bed and pets Comet for reassurance. Although, he didn't actually give her reassurance when he turned his face away. I mean, it's not like he started whining and jumped off the bed and ran out of the room. But then again, it's not like he, like, licked her face like, oh, I love your glasses. Hi, Comet. You'll be honest. What do you think of my new glasses? <laughs> I knew it. I'm the biggest geek in third grade. DJ and Julie come upstairs to DJ's bedroom. I'm like, oh, good, I think we lost Steve. Steve just happens to be hanging right on the other side of the door. And he's like, oh, lost you. DJ's trying to be as polite about this as possible, but she has got an edge to her voice. She says, oh, just some pesky kid that keeps following us around. Steve pretty much hits the nail on the head. He's like, oh, you know, some people just don't know when they're not wanted. So Michelle comes in and says, she's carrying her piggy bank. So she's carrying this, she wants to, like, hit up every single person, even people that don't live there. Like, hi, DJ. Hi, Julie. Hi, kid. I don't know. And DJ introduces Michelle. Like, Steve, this is my little sister, Michelle. And Steve leans down and says, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Michelle. And she looks up at him. Just, kids in honesty, it's just, oh my gosh. 
Why do you talk like Mickey Mouse? <laughs> and Steve chalks it up to, that's because I'm from Chicago. But not everyone talks there like that. I don't know. But, the, I mean, that's not Jaleel White's real voice. That's just his, his nasally Urkel voice. I love how Michelle's like, well, now that I've insulted you, um, do you want to give me money? Feed my piggy. Oh, he's got a couple pennies for her. Awesome, awesome. I never carry change on me. I don't even carry cash on me anymore. It's just, it's just something I don't do. Oh, he gave her one penny. I thought he gave her a couple. And Steve <laughs> gives Michelle information that is way over her head. Honestly, probably over any child's head. He says, you know, with prevailing interest rates, that penny will be worth three cents at the turn of the century. So what, 1999? Okay, well, I uh, gotta give Michelle credit. Uh, she either knew that or is faking it. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I think we lost it. keeps following us around. You know, some people just don't know when they're not wanted. <laughs> Hi, DJ. Hi, Julie. Hi, kid, I don't know. Steve, this is my sister, Michelle. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Michelle. Why do you talk like a Mickey Mouse? <laughs> That's because I'm from Chicago. Want to feed my piggy? Sure. Here's a bright, shiny penny. Michelle, did you know that with prevailing interest rates, that penny will be worth almost three cents at the turn of the century? Yes, I did. <laughs> so as I said, I really didn't watch Family Matters regularly, but I do know that at some point towards the end of the show that Steve clones himself and has a an old, alternative version of himself known as Stefan. Where it's just Jaleel White just, you know, talking his normal smooth self. And I'm just like, I, I'm sure after umpteen, like, seven, six or seven seasons, I'm sure that Jaleel was happy to finally kind of, I mean, he was still playing Urkel, but he also was playing this other version of himself, which must have been a nice kind of break for a little bit. Uh, same thing with uh, Small Wonder, Tiffany Brissett playing Vicky in that robot voice. At some point, either, I think it's season three, where the Lawsons, uh, Ted Lawson, her Vicky's creator, does make a identical robot known, I think it's Veronica, but it allows Tiffany Brissett to drop the robot voice and just speak like a normal kid, which after two and a half seasons of talking like this would be such a nice break. And she's wearing, you know, at some point they dress Vicky in normal clothes and they have to address like this kid is getting taller. She's developing. We need to address that in some form. And I believe that they do. So, yeah, I do host a Small Wonder podcast. However, it is for ages 18 and up. I'm currently almost done with season two. I started that podcast actually right around just before I started the Full House, Fuller House podcast in um, 2019. So, Stephanie comes in, realizes that she comes in the room realizes like her room is like filled with people 
DJ, Julie, Michelle, and Steve. And she's probably, like, just went to the bathroom. And then it's going to come back and, you know, wallow in her, her hurt and self-pity and everything. And realize that she can't really do that. Her safe space is being occupied at the moment by three teenagers and a three-year-old. And DJ says, oh, Steve, this is my other sister, Stephanie. Yeah, and he says, hi, nice to meet you, Stephanie. And somebody says, hi, Steve. Uh, look, look, and she goes and sits on the edge of her bed and says, why did I think? Because when she goes, she sits on DJ's bed. I can't, it's like I keep forgetting that. At this point, the girls haven't changed rooms yet, so I, at first I thought, like, oh, she's sitting on her bed. And I'm like, no, that's DJ's bed she's sitting on when her bed is over. Okay. <sighs> oh, my goodness. So she says, I, I hate to be, I don't want to be rude or anything, but I really, I just, I don't feel like company. I kind of want to have some alone time. And I like how DJ, she's, she's, you know, the big sister, she's concerned, like, oh, is everything okay, Steph? And she's like, yeah, I just, I don't feel like company right now. Yeah, I, I just feel like being alone. So, like, get the classic Urkel laugh and snort. It's like, you heard her, ladies. She wants her little, little girl wants her privacy. So let's, like, make like Tom and Cruz. <laughs> I don't know why, growing up watching this, I never really understood what he was saying. Like, I thought he was talking about Tom Cruise. No, it's like a metaphor, like, okay, you can leave now. Because he shuts the door on them after doing the laugh snort that we are all so well familiar that Urkel does. And Stephanie's concerned, like, I don't know you. Why are you in my room? Why did you shut the door? You know, he's got advice to give to Stephanie. You know, he also wears glasses. He knows what it feels like to be picked on and everything. And Stephanie hasn't been picked on at all here. She's just afraid of what could happen. Like, are there no other kids in your class that wear glasses, Steph? There must be at least one. I went to school with someone in second grade that, you know, he wore glasses all the way through school. And a lot of times, <clears throat> that's usually how it goes. If you're, you know, I, there was another student in my class that did wear glasses for a short amount of time to fix um, a correction with a possible lazy eye. And then he wasn't wearing, you know, glasses after that. But So he shuts the door, goes over to Stephanie, who's still sitting on the edge of her bed. I noticed the... Uh, Toy box is not there right now, or maybe they just don't have it there for this scene. He goes over to her and says, hey, so, why so melancholy, baby? And of course, I agree with Stephanie. She's like, I'm not, I don't know you. I'm not going to tell you my problem. Okay, so he figures, since she says, I'm not going to tell you my problems, I don't even know you. He's like, oh, well, that's a problem? Okay, let me fix this. So, going back to... 1976. <laughs> In January, it was a cold winter night, and he starts going into his birth story again, and I guess that's enough for Stephanie, because she breaks, and she's like, okay, okay, please, stop. 
I'll tell you. Just don't don't continue with the story. He barely gets through the charging through as Stephanie like puts her hands up and surrender. Like, please stop. Okay, I'll tell you. And she says, I just got my first pair of glasses. And I like how Steve says, oh, well, welcome to the club. And Steve says, you know, some people look far more attractive with glasses than without. Here, let me demonstrate. And he stands up. And I love how he says, he takes his glasses off and he says, as good as I look now. And then he, like, runs a hand over his, his buzz cut hair. <laughs> Look how more subtlier I become when I put my glasses on. And S Stephanie is like, hmm, truly amazing, really. And Stephanie puts her glasses on and says, yeah, but if I wear these to school, all the kids are going to tease me. Why? Um, where is she getting this from? I get it's the, like, 19, the end of 1991. Or it's the beginning of 1991, excuse me. Were they really still doing that then? Do the kids do that now? Why would you? Glasses have been around for eons, centuries. No one ever, I mean, like I said, I was 15 when I first started wearing glasses. No one ever teased me. They didn't say, oh, there must be something wrong with you because you're wearing glasses now and I've known you since kindergarten. No one ever said anything like that. And I never felt embarrassed or, or any of that. I actually was excited when I was getting my first pair of glasses. And I remember, you know, it always feels like when you're picking out a new pair of glasses, because like I said, I'm on my third pair. It always, it, it's it's kind of exciting. It really, really is. It's like, like new, what, is there, there's like a saying like glasses make the face or something like that. It's like you're choosing, well, you know, kind of like choosing a new, like a, a new look, you know? You want to, you know, you can't go based on what everyone else is wearing or Picking it based on, oh, well, people won't say anything if I wear these ones, but if I get these ones, someone will. And I like that Steve has the little, on the back earpieces, he's got the little, the thing so they hang down. Like, it's, you know how libra or librarians, the classic stereotype librarian is, like, in her, like, like 55 years old and she's you know wearing black like Sophia Sophia Petrillo on Golden Girls wearing the glasses on a chain and so they don't fall off and that way you don't lose them you're always you know got them either around your neck or you know on your face even I think even um Paul Pfeiffer from the Wonder Years another uh glasses wearer that also he had the uh the band kind of connecting the two so they would stay on his face. And that's really cool. I also see, like, they have created, like, kids who wear glasses who want to play sports, but they got to have the glasses on so they can, you know, be able to see clearer and all that stuff. They make, like, goggle-type things so that way you your glasses are protected. They're not going to fall off your face if you're running to kick a soccer ball. They're going to protect your face and your glasses 
from getting, in case you get hit with a soccer ball and stuff like that. But I just, I like that. The only thing that I don't like is like, and I don't see 3D movies that often, like hardly at all anymore, because the glasses are an issue. It's like they don't make 3D glasses, you know, the best type of fit for those that wear glasses, which I think that they should. They should make a pair of 3D glasses that can fit over a pair of glasses. Because when Jeremy and I went and saw Jurassic World Lake, or Jurassic Park in 2013, yeah, I had the 3D glasses on, but I didn't have my other glasses. So it's like, the screen could have been more clearer if, and I even tried putting the 3D glasses over my own. I'm like, these are not staying on. So, and I, I get it, you know, 3D isn't, <clears throat> doesn't seem to be, it's very, they're very selective when it comes to 3 A lot of it seems to be like kid movies, Marvel films are in 3D. But I just, I don't understand why there isn't a market to make 3D glasses that can fit over people's glasses. And just not looking hard enough. Maybe they're out there if... I mean, they probably do exist. They must. Yeah, and he, Steve tells me, like, yeah, in a class of 30, you don't want to have 15 or 20 misguided souls who will look at you and start saying, like, hey, 4 eye 4 seems to be, like, the classic... You're wearing glasses, ha, ha, ha. Hey, four eyes. Or Coke bottle glasses. That was the thing. If you've seen the movie Hope Floats, came out in 1998 with Sandra Bullock. Um, what's the girl's name who was in it? She was also in Independence Day. She was the voice of April O'Neil in the Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. She was also in Parenthood. Mae Whitman. Mae Whitman. Gosh, the character that wear very, th uh, very thick prescription for, like, an eight-year-old girl. And this one, you know, she walks into a new class, and immediately this one's like, oh, she looks like she got Popeye's pop bottle glasses. Or Coke bottle glasses or something, because the, the lenses are so thick. And I'm just like, and that was 1998. I mean, come, really? Ugh. Yeah, and see, other ones that she's probably never heard of, K-Paso Window Face. Even Stephanie's like, Window Face? I've not heard of that one before. And Steve's like, oh, but that won't bother you, will, will it? And Stephanie says, Window Face? Okay, I think Stephanie is going to get the worst outfit of the at her. And, um, I think Michelle are in the running for worst outfit. She's like window face as she pulls off her glasses. And Steve says, you know, the trick is to make them laugh at laugh with you instead of being, you know, laughing at you. Like if you just kind of let it roll off your back like you act like you're not affected by it, like, ah, ha, 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 making I'm making fun of myself so you don't make fun of me. Which is just tactically even Joey when DJ is embarrassed because Danny kissed her Spanish teacher. 
And then also, there's an episode of Punky Brewster called Tons of Fun. It's from season three. Um, a young character that is dealing with weight issues comes to visit. And she's so busy making cracks about her own weight, so that way... If I'm doing it, my it's making it feel like to other people that I don't have a problem with it when in fact I actually do. Which, I don't know honestly how I feel about that. I mean, maybe it could be like a defense mechanism if maybe people think like, oh, if I'm doing it to myself, then it won't hurt as much when you do it to me when in fact it actually does. Yeah, the trick is to make them laugh with you. Before they laugh at you. Yeah, and Steve says, oh, um, from one glassesware to another, since you just joined the club, here's a tip. Hold your head up high so that way your glasses don't slip down your nose, which they can do that sometimes, you know, I'll have to adjust. Sometimes the, the screws, you know, in the top that connect the arms to the frames themselves do need to be tightened. You know, so you can get a little eyeglass repair kit that will help tighten the lenses. I think one time I even had a lens pop out of one of my glasses. So I ended up going to the eyeglass store like, hey, can you fix this for me? I'm having issues, you know, trying to hold the, the thing in place with the lens in it and trying to screw the, th the little screw that pops out. And it's like, yeah, if you, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to charge you for like, oh, you need me to fix it. Yeah, I can do that for you. But when I went in, when I had broke the arm off my glasses, they're like, we can't, I mean, there's no way to glue it. It was just, the arm is so like, metal thin that it's just it broke right at where the frame meets the arm it's like we can't do anything to fix this you're gonna have to get a new pair of glasses and it's not like I sat on them or anything it's just I go and lift them out of my glasses holder and I go and I pull like the arm you know like I do when I'm putting on my glasses all of a sudden it just broke off in my hand that's why, like I said, I don't go for the thin frames anymore. I don't think that they hold up. We got two laugh snorts in one scene. Okay, Steve, calm down. Steve is, like, leaning over so far into Stephanie's personal space. I get it. He's a sweet kid. But it's, again, like, kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Like, dude, you are, like, way, way too in her personal space. But Stephanie smiles like he is giving her good info. I mean, the whole laugh at yourself before they laugh at you or get them to laugh with you so they don't laugh at you. I, I don't know about how I feel about that. I mean, we already know, honestly, Stephanie's confidence is shook. And that's just her own opinion of what she thinks. She's so scared to death that she's going to get picked on and teased because of her glasses. Like, that's all she's seeing. Like, if you're expecting, like, oh, I'm going to look like a big old goof. When you go look in the mirror at your reflection, that's exactly what's going to be playing on repeat. I'm going to look like a dweeb. You know, and then you got the fish islands. That's her own perspective. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't look at that as you know, being degraded because you got to wear glasses. Like, oh, there's something wrong with There's nothing wrong with you. You just need, 
you know, a little, a little boost, a little help in the, you know, vision department. That's all. That's all. You don't kind of knock yourself down because of it. It's an improvement. The book I'm reading right now, the character, because it's set in like 1987, the character realizes like his vision is, you know, a little off. So, and his mom's like, well, you probably need glasses. And, of course, he's like, oh, I don't want to wear glasses. I'm going to get teased and all this stuff. So, when he gets the glasses and he puts his glasses on, he sees a crisper, clearer vision of the world in front of him. And he honestly wonders just how long his vision had been like that until he got those glasses. Like, wow. And, and that's the thing. Sometimes, you know... With headaches and whatnot, like, oh, my, my head hurts and, you know, I get a lot of frequent headaches and, you know, my eyes are sore. It's just, you know, I went in for uh, an, an eye exam and they're like, well, your your um, your vision is pretty much this prescription hasn't changed. So, sometimes you should, it, it, it happens. I mean, but it doesn't hurt to at least, like, get it checked out. Better to be safe than sorry. Steve, this is my other sister, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Nice to meet you, Steve. I don't mean to be rude, but I really don't feel like company right now. Is everything okay, Steph? I just feel like being alone. Come on, girls. The little lady wants her privacy. So let's make like Tom and Cruise. <laughs> so tell me, why so melancholy, baby? <laughs> you my problems? I don't even know you. Oh. Well, I was born in Chicago on a cold winter night in 1976. My mom was in a great deal of pain and I was turning I'll talk. I just got my first pair of glasses. Oh, well, welcome to the club. You know, some people look far more attractive with glasses than without. Take me, for example. As good as I look now. <laughs> become. <laughs> Truly amazing. But if I wear these to school, all the kids are going to tease me. Oh, sure. In a class of 30, you may have 15 or 20 misguided souls that may say, hey, four eyes, or yo, Coke bottles, or take pasta window face. <laughs> but that won't bother you, will it? Window face? The trick is to make them laugh with you before they laugh at you. And always remember, hold your head up high. Otherwise, those suckers will slide right off your nose. <laughs> Jesse, I feel bad that he feels guilty for not picking Danny, and Danny is kind of uh, turning the screws with that guilt on uh, Jesse. Jesse comes out with a pale... And a couple scrub brushes and says, hey, Danny, let's go spend some quality time together. Well, we don't spend enough time together. Let's go outside and, you know, scrub some grout. And Danny's like, Jesse, I get why you're doing this. You're just trying to be nice to me because you didn't pick me as your best man. And Jesse says, you're right, Danny. I don't even know what grout is. So, yeah, Jesse has not been able to sit with this decision that he's made. It's been bugging me all night. I think I make the wrong, made the wrong decision. 
Jesse calls down the stairs into Joey's basement apartment and is like, hey, Joseph, get up here. And Danny's like, Jess, wait a minute, what are you doing? And Jesse says, I'm going to take care of this right now. And Joey says, oh, Jess, what's up? And Jesse says, Joey, I'm sorry, but I think I made a mistake when I uh, picked you for best man. Uh, poor Joey is panicking. Like, Look, if I did anything to s- disgrace my position, I'm I'm sorry. Just don't make me head usher. <laughs> and Jesse kind of like chuckles at like, no, no, no. Let me finish. Um, what I mean is I shouldn't have just you know picked just you. He says I have two best friends, so I I pick both of you. And they both, Joey and Danny are like, well, you can't have two best men. That goes against tradition. And Jesse says, since when do I care about tradition? You're looking at the guy that didn't wear that cardboard hat. Isn't it like a mortarboard or something like that? To his graduation because he thought it would mess up his hair. I was afraid it would ruin my coif as he runs a hand down the side of his hair. Joey's a good sport. It's like, hey, the two best men thing? That's fine with me if it's fine with Danny. (laughs) You bet for whoever is going to be head usher. They'll probably just hire somebody. (laughs) <laughs> and Danny says, oh, it's, it's better than being head usher, I'll say that. Anything's better than being head usher. And Jesse puts an arm around Danny and Joey's like, ah, my boys, my boys. <laughs> oh, I love this trio, I really do. Hi, buddy. Hey, you say you and I spent a little more quality time together, huh? Let's go out and... Clean some grout, shall we? Yes, I know you're just being nice to me because you didn't make me your best man. You're right. I don't even know what grout is. Listen, this thing's been bugging me all night, and I I, I think I made the wrong choice. Joseph! Wait a minute, Jess, what are you doing? Take care of this right now. Hey, what's up, Jess? Joey, uh, I'm sorry, but I think I may have made a mistake when I picked you for best man. Look, if I did anything to disgrace my position, I'm sorry. Please don't make me head usher. (laughs) Let me finish. Let me finish. What I mean to say is I don't think I should have just picked just you. I mean, I have two best friends, so I picked both of you. You can't have two best mans. Yeah, you're breaking tradition, and it's bad grammar. (laughs) Since when do I care about tradition? You're looking at a guy who didn't wear that cardboard hat at his graduation because I was afraid of ruining my coif. Look, the two best men thing is okay with me if it's okay with Danny. Anything's better than being a head usher. Thank you, my boys, my boys. All right, let's see how this uh, Steve Urkel's plan is going to work for Stephanie. Because she's in class and the teacher says everyone take out their library books for silent reading. I would have loved this if we had this, if I had this in school. Oh, hey, look, they get to have their backpacks in class. That's pretty cool. I recognize some of the... One girl in particular that I think has been an actress since season two, I believe. And I think she might even be in a season five episode. She never, this girl never has any lines, so I kind of almost wonder if maybe she could be a child of one of the kids. Oh, there's a couple, the, 
the kids that I don't know whether the uh, the boy and the girl might be twins or not, but they're also in a season five episode of a uh, Stephanie's classroom. So Stephanie, of course, is not wearing her glasses, and when it's silent reading time, she again is holding the book right up to her face, like literally like an inch or two away from her face. And the teacher goes over to her, very nice, she's like, oh, Stephanie, your dad called this morning, and he said you got your new reading glasses. And Stephanie says, oh, uh, yeah, they're right here in my bag. And <laughs> the teacher bends down. And it's like, oh, you know, since we're uh, reading, it might be a good uh, time to put them on, don't you think? And Stephanie says, oh, you know what, maybe it would. And she's got this look like you can tell she's clearly up to something. Like, okay, <laughs> let's see how this, <laughs> let's see how this goes. The kids are, <laughs> one's reading Rumpelstiltskin, one's reading Rapunzel. And these books are just, like, huge. They're clearly not real books. The copies of the ones that they're reading. Hey, red-haired child behind Stephanie. Or, like, a handful of seats behind Stephanie. This kid has got nothing going on in his life because he is like, Oh, Steph, you got glasses. Let's see. Let's see them. Let's see your new glasses. This is, like, the highlight of this kid's week. Apparently, because he is just so, no one else, everyone else is reading. This kid is just so, <laughs> and he's not teasing her. He's just, he's interested. Stephanie, of course, the little bubble above her head is the fisheye lens reaction of her looking in her mirror in the closet. And she's like, oh, no. What if someone says something? And then we get a little bubble with Steve's face and him saying, the trick is to make them laugh with you before they can laugh at you. It's like she's pulling out her regular ones. This kid is just so impatient. Like, let's see your new glasses. Like, kid, shouldn't you be reading? Everyone else is. No one else cares. There, there we go. There's a boy right there wearing glasses. There you go. So, Stephanie wouldn't be the only one wearing glasses. There's probably another kid somewhere in that classroom wearing glasses. It almost looks like they... They almost look like her glasses, but they're black frames with springy, googly eyes coming out of them. Like, here they are, and the kids just erupt in laughter. And she says, my glasses feel great, but my eyeballs are loose as she pulls on the... Little slinky springs with the little uh, fake eyeballs attached. And the thing is, the way that the teacher kind of looks at Stephanie is like a look of surprise. Like, Stephanie is normally a good student. She doesn't act out. She doesn't disrupt the class. So she's probably wondering, like, where is this behavior coming from? And Stephanie says, oh, I'm just kidding, as she stands up. Those weren't my real glasses. These are. And she pulls out these enormous size novelty light clearly that Joey uses in his comedy act and that Stephanie is puts on these humongous novelty sunglasses and says oh no my head shrunk the teacher finally goes over to Stephanie They're like Stephanie you need to stop this that's enough the teacher says, Stephanie, can I please see you at my desk? 
And all the kids are like, ooh. Why does it always seem like when someone gets in trouble, the whole class is like, ooh. They don't waste any time. Ooh. Got another pair of glasses and says, you kids behave yourselves. I've got eyes in the back of my head. As she pulls, as she turns her head around, she puts the glasses just above her ponytail scrunchie. And with her pointer finger. <laughs> oh, boy. And the teacher says, Stephanie, come up here. She crooks the finger, like, come up here. Yeah, Stephanie knows, like, she is going to get in trouble. And it's, I mean, did the teacher not ask her, like, Stephanie, what, what's with this? I mean, I don't understand. You are, normally you're a good student. You don't, you know cause disruptions normally where is this coming from your dad said you had new glasses you said they're in your bag where where are they okay class take out your library books for sign up reading time now take out your real library books because none of those are real stephanie yes miss claire your dad called me this morning he told me you got your new reading glasses yeah i have them right here since we're reading, maybe it would be a good time to try them on. Maybe it would. <laughs> hey, Steph, you got glasses? Let's see. The trick is to make them laugh with you before they laugh at you. Let's see your new glasses. Good, read your yeah. book. Upon closer inspection, I realized it was reading a Pippi Longstocking book. There is a girl back there who kind of looks like Nicole Tom from Beethoven, but I don't believe that it is. But she, this girl, this blonde haired girl, either she had a growth spurt or she, I don't know, because she looks a lot, quite a bit older than some of the other kids, like at least by a year. So. When DJ gave Michelle that piggy bank, she's like, oh yeah, check couch cushions, which is exactly what Michelle's doing. She found a... That looks a little bit bigger than a nickel, but... Oh, ugh, oh, that is not... She found a Cheeto in the couch cushion. Um, <coughs> um, apparently it was just recently put there because she doesn't spit it out, like... Ah, this is like soft and like stiff, and it has a hair on it. Ugh, ugh, I'm gonna vomit. Ugh. Just cause it's a piece of food and it's in the couch isn't really uh, warranted to be eaten. I wouldn't. I mean, she's three, so. Well, no, she's four. I'm sorry. It's an audible crunch, so it must have just been put there. Oh, she hears the ice cream man outside. <laughs> like, hold on, wait, I got money. 
she goes over to the piggy bank and there usually is like a little stopper in the bottom where you can in fact pull money out if you need to because she lifts it upside down and starts like give me my money you pig he's like wait for me i got money Sweetie, they don't wait for anybody. You need to be out there, like, as soon as they pull up. She must have also been checking the side chairs, too. Well, no, because one of the couch cushions is actually in the chair. There is a, there is a stopper in the belly of the pig, but she doesn't realize that. Now that I think, I did, in fact, have, like, a light blue piggy bank. And I remember because I had like, like one of those metal rings in its is its nostrils, and um, I think that's maybe the only one I remember. I think after that I thought I kept like a mason jar or something, or maybe I'm trying to remember if when I lived with my aunt and uncle if I had gotten another a bigger piggy bank that was like in the shape of a pink cat, or maybe that was my cousin's. I don't know. As an adult, I think I did get a pig-shaped one that said Mad Money on the side. DJ hears that cling-clang sound of the piggy bank, and she comes in and it's like, Michelle, what's wrong? Because Michelle is furiously like, come on, I put you in there, I can take you out. So when DJ says, oh, Michelle, what's wrong? And she's like, I need ice cream, rip its head off. Like, whoa, girly, um... Well, the ice cream man is gone. No one was out there, and he's got other stops to make. I'm sure they have a route that they have to take, and if, like, if no one's there, then they're not going to stay there. Especially in a residential area, like, there's going to be traffic and stuff. You can't just, like, park in the middle of the street and hope kids will start running out of their houses with money. Wouldn't, I would say, like, like food truck, ice cream trucks and stuff, wouldn't they have to have things, like... And not necessarily, like, Apple Pay and stuff, but stuff to take, like, cards and stuff. Because, like, like I said, not everyone has cash on them. Not everyone has cash anymore. It's all about the card. So, DJ says, Michelle, get a grip, okay? Look, the whole point of a piggy bank is to be able to save your money for something very important. And, Michelle, ice cream is life. So, yeah, <laughs> again... I need this money. And I was like, oh, sorry, the ice cream man, he left. Oh. <laughs> but DJ has a consolation prize. Like, hey, I got something better. There's fudge sickles in the back of the freezer. And Michelle says, oh, it's not the same. You know, <laughs> I came back from vacation. Before I left, they had the banana icy for, you know, the Minions film. I fell in love with this icy. I don't like wild cherry or blue raspberry. Like, meh. I found a love of this banana icy. I come back from vacation. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a banana icy. It's gone. They took it away. My heart was broken. I swear I almost wanted to cry. I almost cried. I was so heartbroken. Like, I wanted my banana icy. I hope that they get another flavor, another, like, a good one. Like, I don't know about pumpkin. So that would be kind of weird as an icy pumpkin spice flavor in October. I don't know. Um, candy can't mint peppermint, you know, in December. Um, 
don't know. There's like, I thought like maybe root beer would be an interesting flavor. Cotton candy, 100%. Grape. Grape's another one. I would definitely be into that. Yeah. It's like blue, ra I like blue raspberry and cherry. But it's just those flavors are so played out. Oh, well, and they have a Coca-Cola Icy, which I mean, but I drink Diet Coke. I, I just, I, the the co sweetness in the Coca-Cola is too much for me. It was fine as a kid, but then once I got drinking Diet Coke, I'm just like, I can't go back to regular. I just, I can't. Yes, Michelle, he is really gone. He'll come back another day. Oh, Michelle with the lip. <laughs> and <laughs> DJ says, put the lip away. Look, there just so happens to be a box of fudge sickles in the back of the freezer. Yes, I'm sure they are covered in freezer burn. There's all, I mean, there's Joey there, you know, I mean, but apparently fudge sickles, the reason they're in the back of the freezer is because nobody wants them, because it's not the same, according to Michelle and Joey. Boy, he comes, he heard, he heard that from down in his basement apartment. Did I just hear the ice cream man? Like, yeah, he, he was here, but then he left. He didn't stick around very long, because I don't think anyone came out of their houses. DJ says, you just missed him, but follow me, there are fudge sickles in the freezer. Oh, yeah, acting like Michelle, hands on hands. But it's not the same. about, um, I'm sure I probably mentioned this at one time when I was talking about ice cream and popsicles. It seemed like when I lived at my aunt and uncle's, uh, or even when I would go over there during the summer, my aunt would buy a box of pop, <laughs> pop <-tarts. laughs> a box of popsicles to have in the summertime. And it seemed like the only two flavors that were left after, like, red and blue and purple were picked over were orange and green. And I don't know why those were always the last flavors left in the box. Like, oh, these are kind of like with Neapolitan ice cream. My dad, we would get that and we wouldn't like roll an ice cream scoop across it so you get all three flavors. No, we would have the chocolate first and then the strawberry and then a lot of the times the vanilla would just sit there until it gets that, you know, that fuzz and freezer burn on it. So I gotta say, this does feel kind of like a Joey and Stephanie as far as, you know, he's the one that took her to the eye appointment. 
he's the one that now sees her writing on paper a bazillion times the lines, I will not disrupt the class, I will not disrupt the class. And he sits down next to her and is like, oh, what you working on, Steph? And she's like, oh yeah, just some homework. He's like, oh yeah, let me see that. Yeah, because he reads, he's like, I will not disrupt the class, I will not disrupt the... Did you by any chance disrupt the class today, Steph? And Stephanie is honest about it. It's not like she lies and says, no, I didn't. She says, I uh, snuck into your joke bag and I took all your funny glasses. So the teacher put the funny glasses in her desk and Stephanie tells Joey, oh, you can have them back at the end of the year. I'm thinking, sweetie, he might need those for his stand-up comedy gigs. If I were Joey, I'd be like, ma'am, I need to have those back. Those are part of my act. And we'll make sure that Stephanie never does this again, but please, I can't afford to buy new ones. I'm living on a budget. And I, I honestly, I really do like these moments when Joey does kind of, you know, give a lesson to the kids. Especially him and Stephanie here. He says, you know, he also helps her out at, you know, the dentist and stuff like that. But, um... He's like, Steph, it's not like you to act up in class. What happened? Even the teacher, when Stephanie first starts up, she looks at Stephanie in surprise and just like, this isn't normal behavior for Stephanie. She never acts like this. She's throwing Steve's words out, saying, I know, but I had to make them laugh with me before they laugh at me. You know, I bet anything if she had just put her regular glasses on and started reading... I mean, but what was that kid's deal? It's like, hey, let's see your new glasses. It's like, why do you want to see them that badly? Is nothing going on in your life at the moment that you're just so, I gotta see these glasses. This is the highlight of my week. I don't, there's no new Nintendo games coming out, so I gotta have, like, come on. No one else cared but this kid. And Joey says, oh yeah, I get it, the class clown routine. And Joey says, you know, I did that once, but, you know, I was the chubby kid. And I'm just thinking, when we see Joey, who's about maybe age 10 in season two, um, what's it called, like, Best Pals or something? I'll get to it when I cover the Best Friends series, but he is in no way, ch so I'm guessing he probably is referring to the time when he's, like, maybe seven or eight years old. Maybe he's got a little bit of baby fat. Kids are, sadly, will zero in on that stuff. Like, whatever makes you different, they will jump on that and use it against you. Joey says, they used to call me walrus. So he'd take two pencils, put them in his mouth, and he'd start flapping his little, uh, little fin arm things. Like, oh, 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 oh. Joey, a great young. Kids can be pretty cruel sometimes. And yes, you know, you know, kids can be pretty cool, cruel sometimes. What, uh, what, what'd they say to you? And Stephanie says, you know, this one kid said, hey, you got glasses? Let's see. And Joey's like, that's it? That's all they said? And Stephanie says, well, he said it pretty loud. And then Joey says, you know, so, okay, so then none of the kids actually teased you. And Stephanie says, no, but they would have. Like, sweetie, you don't necessarily know that. Well, 
I'm just thinking, I thought there was an episode after Jesse and Becky get married, I thought it was Joey Goes Hollywood, where he's on that failed TV show, sitcom pilot with uh, Annette Funicello and uh, Frankie Avalon, and the kids are calling Stephanie, Stephanie, they're calling Stephanie Step On Me, so she decides to change her name to Dawn, Dawn Ariel Tanner. <laughs> I like the Ariel part. Um, but, I mean, you're telling me that other, that boy there in the front row of glasses, do they care that he's wearing glasses? Did he have to go through the same thing? I mean, was Stephanie witness to that? And maybe that's where that fear is coming. Like, oh, they teased this kid when he got glasses. I know they're going to tease me. No, it's like, yeah, basically beat him to the punch. Like, show that you're not affected by it, that you can laugh at yourself so that way when they laugh at you or make fun of you, that you basically show that it just rolls right off your back. When, in fact, it doesn't. Ugh. Oh, I, Joey gets defensive. He he gets irritated, angry even. He's like, Steph, anyone who teases you is a jerk. Oh, hey, Joey, oh, my gosh, this man has a heart of gold. He says... With or without your glasses, you are the most beautiful third grader I know. I think, honestly, she needs to... And I would say, honey, that is not me saying that as a family friend. That is my honest opinion. You are a very beautiful young lady with or without your glasses. He says, I want you to take a look at yourself in the mirror over there with your glasses on, and you're going to see that you look absolutely fine. And Stephanie says, no, 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 I, I did. I, it wasn't pretty. And Joey says, no, honey, you were seeing what you were afraid that you were going to see. So her fear was clouding, you know, her judgment in her vision. Yeah, he says, you, you, that's, well, she says, yeah, I already did. Trust me, it wasn't a pretty sight. And he tells her, no, that's because you saw what you were afraid of and not what, what was really there. Uh, I love Joey in this moment. I just, I really, really do. It's just so sweet. He loves these girls so much. And it's just, every, and this is the thing. Everyone brings, so all the guys, you know, you know, Danny being the father. And you got Jesse and, and Joey, you know, they don't have kids of their own. But they are basically helping Danny raise these kids. But they all bring something of themselves to the parenting, their own little parenting style that does help the kids get, you know, work through their problems and stuff like that. You know, Jesse, yeah, remember Nerd for a Day when Stephanie was teasing Walter for his uh, duck face or duck lips or whatever? Joe, J Jesse was the one that said, you know, I had been teased as a child and really those kids hurt me. And I understand how he feels and and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just, they all bring, yeah, so they all bring something to the table when it comes to parenting, when it comes to giving great advice. I mean, well, even Danny and, and also Joey here have said, you know, at one point, they have been teased. And I bet just about anybody at one point in time probably could say that they had been teased in one way or another, whether it's uh, someone laughing at them, an embarrassing moment, you know, someone said something 
goofy that they shouldn't have said and then they're getting you know flack for that from you know classmates or people and stuff and it's just doesn't feel good I'll tell you that I mean yes I was teased a lot as a kid as a teenager as well so but Joey goes over to the mirror and Stephanie stands in front of it puts her glasses on and he's like all right there what do you see and she sees, you know, herself, looking back at herself, her actual reflection. I love how the music kind of cuts in with that underscore of Stephanie seeing herself for the first time with her glasses on. And she looks at Joey like, hey, it's me. And Joey bends down and says, no, it's the new improved you. Because now you can read. She says, thanks, Joey. I feel better. And he gives her, she gives him a kiss on the cheek. Oh, my heart. What is this? There is, like, um, a yellow legal pad, yellow piece of paper on, wait, this is DJ's side. I keep forgetting. This is DJ's side of the room. This isn't Stephanie's. But whatever it is, I don't know whether that's a poem or a schedule. Well, it doesn't look like a schedule. It looks like a poem with, like, crossed out words. You can't really tell because it's out of focus. It's right on the same wall as that closet. There is a class photo on that cork board. I don't know whether that possibly could be DJ's class when she was young. And there's also a third place white ribbon on the cork board as well. So fun seeing how the set designers like put stuff up on the walls and everything kind of to um, show what the, the characters are into or as far as like how they're, they are in school and just their interests and stuff. It's really cool. And Joey says, you know, I think you look pretty mature. Mature, And she's like, oh, wow. You think so? Yeah, and she says, oh, do you think I could pass for a fourth grader? And he says, all right, well, take your glasses off. Put the stem of the glasses in your mouth and say, upper elementary school. Kind of like hoity-toity-ish. Oh, and the way that she's posing and everything with the tip of her glasses, like, in her mouth. And he's like, oh, that right there? That's fifth grade. Eyes just light up at that. You're so funny, cause then she like folds her fingers and like puts it under her chin. He's like, oh, high fashion model there. And then she puts a hand behind her head and just kind of leans back. He's like, you're driving. <laughs> she loving those compliments. Yes. Hey Steph, what are you working on? Uh, just some homework. Oh. Not disrupt the class. I will not disrupt the class. Did you by any chance disrupt the class today? Yeah. I snuck into your joke bag and brought all your funny glasses. The teacher put them in her desk. But you can have them back at the end of the year. Steph, that's not like you to act up in class. I know, but I had to make them laugh with me before they could laugh at me. Oh, I get it. The class clown routine. Yeah, I did that once. Except I was the chubby kid. They used to call me walrus. So I would go. <laughs> Kids can be pretty cruel sometimes. What did they say to you? 
Well, this one kid said, you got glasses? Let me see. That was it? Well, he said it pretty loud. So then none of the kids actually teased you? No, but they would have. Well, Steph, anybody who would tease you is a jerk. Because with or without your glasses, you are the most beautiful third grader I know. But I want you to take a good look at yourself in the mirror with those glasses on, <laughs> and you'll see that you look just fine. I already have. Trust me, it was not a pretty sight. Well, that's because you saw what you were afraid of rather than what was really there. Now get over to that mirror and tell me what you really see. Okay. Come on. Now, what do you see? Hey, it's me. No, it's the new improved you, because now you can read. Thanks, Joey. I feel better. <laughs> you know, I think you look pretty mature. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you think I could pass for a fourth grader? Well, why don't you put the stem of your glasses in your mouth and think upper elementary school? <laughs> Ooh, that right there? That's fifth grade. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, look at that high fashion model. You're driving. I just noticed something uh, that is on the cork board just above Joey's head. You think it's a certificate for, you know, DJ or Stephanie. Maybe they share the cork board, but. This says certi I can barely it says certificate of <clears throat> and I don't know what that other word is, but the name on there is not DJ or Stephanie. It says Jennifer I don't know, like Winchester or something like that. I can't tell, but it definitely does say Jennifer on it. Underneath it says like girls like seven through i can't really tell all right so that was the episode i hope you enjoyed it worst outfit of the episode is going to go to stephanie's flower print dress when she's in her room talking to steve runner up i believe is going to go to michelle's little dress when she comes in with her piggy bank and steve gives her a penny it's like some little bib thing or that sits on Michelle's shoulders like on the on top of the dress, but it's some weird like stitched print where like one world and is in red and then there's like like black or gray or something stitched word that says peace or something and there's an apple. Best outfit of the episode I, let's see here, hmm, he honestly did not, well, you know what, that kid that was bugging Stephanie, you know, the red-headed kid with it, let's see your glasses, he was wearing like a red, white, and black checked shirt, so I'm going to say that kid, I don't think I've ever given it to someone outside of the Tanner family, but I couldn't think of anyone else that had a shirt that was that nice. So, that red-headed kid gets the award for best outfit of the episode.
Tanner teachable moment is just is this it's just you know there's it's never too early to teach a kid how to save their money and learn how to spend their money wisely like is this really something that you want to spend your money on would you rather maybe save it or maybe have them spend their money and learn the lesson that well your money's gone now you have to you know re-earn it and then that way they can learn how to spend responsibly responsibly and really judge like is this something do I want this or can I hold off and save up for something I really really want to get um as far as the two best meals it's like hey it's your wedding buck tradition if you want you know and choose um two best men or a whole bunch of groomsmen I don't think there's a limit I really don't think there's a, a limit no one said go against tradition basically that's what you want to do there's no set rules that say you have to abide by that I mean some <clears throat> venues may have rules you know whether it's in a church or maybe an outdoor venue that specifically say you can pay for this this place this venue but there are rules no outside alcohol, no disruptive behavior, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's like, with, do what you want to do within the confines of the rules of the venue that you're paying for. Be respectful. You know, you don't want to be remembered as that one couple or guest where the whole family was out of control, your guests were out of control, having food fights, being very disruptive, argumentative, and stuff like that. You don't want that. You don't want to be one of those. Like, come on. Weddings are stressful enough without all that other, you know, drama going on. I mean, if a wedding went off perfectly with no hitches, then that... <laughs> Kudos to you, because <laughs> it seems like there's always at least one thing that doesn't go according to plan when it comes to the big day. Someone's missing something, someone spilled something on their dress, uh, someone got the cake order wrong, uh, the meatballs aren't defrosted, you know, that, something to that effect. And as far as for Danny not getting really guilting, Jesse, I mean, that was like, come on, Danny, I get it. But even Steve said, you know, you gotta suck it up and move on, okay? He's not wrong. Steve was not wrong in that. Steve came in, he blew in, like, the wind from Chicago, gave some great advice, annoyed the heck out of his cousin and TJ, and then, zoop, he's gone. <laughs> I gotta say, Julia White, he does have adorable dimples. He, oh. Those dimples, so, so cute. So, okay, Dave Coulier has got a birthday coming up. Let's see here. I, know, I think it's like towards the end, is it? It is the 21st of September. Oh, my gosh. Isn't this September 21st? Isn't that like the first day of fall? Well, he is a Michigan-born native. He actually does live in Michigan, which is really awesome, even though I'm not there anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, he's always, you know, occasionally wears that Red Wings, Detroit Red Wings jersey, so that's pretty cool. 
All right, season six, episode nine is the episode I chose in honor of Dave Coulier's birthday. It's called Nice Guys Finish First. This is from November 24th, 1992. Stonewall Binkley, an old rival of Joey's, humiliates him on his and Jesse's radio show and challenges him to an upcoming hockey game. Joey's hesitant at first, but ultimately decides to have his revenge on Stonewall. I did forget there is a review. 7 out of 10 from Kaler, Kaler, Taylor Kingston, June 18th, 2015. The one with Urkel, dot, dot, dot. That's what he titles it. Warning spoilers. I love this episode. I love that Urkel comes into the show. It's just so funny. In this episode, Stephanie gets upset when she has to wear reading glasses. See, they are reading glasses. She doesn't have to wear them all the time. Just when she's you know, working on homework and you know, reading a book, all that fun stuff. She thinks her classmates will make fun of her, but when Steve Urkel comes to town, he helps her deal with the situation. She decides to take Joey's advice as well and make them... This isn't Joey's advice. This is Steve's advice. Steve was the one that told her... Make them laugh with you, as opposed to laughing at you. But then she disrupts the class and gets in trouble. Meanwhile, Jesse has trouble deciding who should be his best man at his wedding. Overall, I give this episode a 7 out of 10, which in my rating book is great. So, and the thing is, though, just, just Joey gave very similar advice to what Steve gave to DJ in Season 2's L... X. <laughs> uh, I can't remember it. Um, but the one with DJ, her Spanish teacher, Spanish teacher, and um, Danny. Because she's afraid, like, oh, my friend saw my dad kiss my teacher. They're going to tease me about it. And Joey says, make them laugh with you instead of laugh at you by telling a bunch of jokes so, like, you act like it doesn't bother you. I remember if I had a review, if there was a review for Working Girl, and let's see. Let's see. I don't. Wait, is there? Hold on. Um, I don't know if I read this, so I'm going to read it. Uh, 7 out of 10. The one where DJ gets a job from Taylor Kingston, June 18th, 2015. Warning spoilers. I enjoyed this episode. I think it's still very relevant today, which is surprising considering the episode is from 1991. In this episode, DJ begs her dad to let her get a job. He agrees as long as she keeps a, uh, keeps up good grades at school. She gets a job as an assistant in a portrait studio. When she fails her next assignment, Kimmy makes the F grade an A. Jesse realizes what she's done and insists she tell Danny. Meanwhile, Jesse and Becky argue about where they should have their wedding. Becky wants to have a ceremony in Nebraska, which makes sense because she's from Nebraska. Whereas Jesse wants to get married at Graceland. Overall, I give this episode a 7 out of 10, which in my ratings book is great. I don't know if I just had forgotten to look. Usually I do make sure that if there's a review there that I will read it, so... All right. I hope you all have a great Friday, and I will be back with 
the episode for Dave Poulier's birthday. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Before I say bye-bye, if you want to email the podcast, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to message me, you can reach out to me on the Facebook page for the podcast, as well as leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans, new and old, like yourselves. Okay, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.